Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Delicious. <laughs> Delightful. Today is Thursday, November 18th. Happy Thursday. Happy almost end of the week. Next week is U.S. Thanksgiving. I feel like I'm mentioning this every day, but I'm looking forward to the holiday. I will be here um, on Monday, but then I will not be podcasting for the rest of the week. You guys are going to have to think of something else to do. Yeah, I, I know I do not leave a gaping hole in your lives if I'm not here. So, um... Yeah, things are, are going well in my world. I'm very happy about uh, several things and how they worked out. And um, almost done with my still as yet unnamed novella. I really need to think up a title. Um, I, <laughs> probably I just need to like pick a title and not worry about like the naming structure or something because I think that's really holding me back. Um, but yeah, I'm on page 75 of 90. I have, um, let's just see. I mean, I have plenty of words. 24,108. Been aiming for 25. Uh, it's going to be longer than that because I still need to add on a couple of final scenes. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be looking for a beta reader who has not, not read Dark Wizard or Bright Familiar, if you are out there, um, just because I want to make sure I introduce the world appropriately. But if you've read it, you don't count. Sorry, guys. Read those books. Um, so, yeah, uh, I know I wanted to be done earlier this week, but that's how it goes. Yesterday was really a productive day. It felt good to get that flow going. So I'm just going to take it as a win. The uh, sale went through for me on the Sorceress Moons books going into audio. So if you're an audiobook lover, I just signed the contract um, for Scribd. Scribd or Scribd. I don't know what they say. And in fact, I noticed on their website. Let's just look. It's cold this morning. That's why I'm inside. It's only um, 25 degrees Fahrenheit. We had a big cool down last night. Because um, I was looking at their website yesterday. They gave me a free year subscription so I could listen to my own audiobooks, I said, and to any others I want to. I thought that was really cool of them because if you guys, um, any authors out there, if you've had your books put into audio with like Tantor or um, Audible, like getting them to give you a copy of your own freaking audiobook is, it's like pulling teeth. It's like you're asking them for their firstborn child or something. It's like, I just want to listen to my own audiobook. Believe me, it won't be a surprise because I actually know what happens in the book. But no, but Scribed or scribed? I know they, I saw on here that they said, how do we say it? Are you guys shouting it at me? You probably are. 
don't see if it's on what is our mission. We believe in the power of the spoken word. Oh, here's frequently asked. How do I cancel? What's available? How much does it cost? What is? Well, I guess we don't know. Anyway, they spell it S-C-R-I-B-D. Um, I'll, I'll even link to it in the comments. Let's try one more quick Google search. How do you pronounce? Um, I always like to see the fill in. How do you pronounce his name? How do you pronounce GIF? It's GIF. All you GIF people? No. Graphic. Graphic is a hard G, therefore GIF is a hard G, and this is the hill I will die on. How do you pronounce script? Um, oh, I'm saying it right. Scribd. Sounds like ribbed, but with an SC in front. There we are. Aren't you guys relieved that we solved that particular mystery? I need to silence my phone. I bet this is... It's either my assistant, Corrine, or Kelly Robson. It's Kelly Robson. My darling Kelly. Yeah. Silence her for the moment. So... Um, so yeah, those uh, Source of Smudge books coming out in audio. Also, Dark Wizard coming out in audio. I listened to the extended sample yesterday. I'm really happy with the narrator I chose. I think you guys are going to be happy too. She's very talented. Um, so exciting things. I also have the cover for Grey Magic. And I need to release that sometime. When should we reveal the cover? Should do something fun for it. And let's see. Oh, so I wanted to talk about a couple of things today. Um, one thing <laughs> about writing this novella, um, sometimes I get asked for advice on writing novellas. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> why would people ask me? I did get, did have a novella that was nominated for a Rita, a then Rita, um, The Dragons of Summer. So that was... Uh, Maybe I do know how to write a novella. So anyway, um, one thing that I have to be wary of in writing the novella is, especially like this one, the as yet unnamed one, takes place at Convocation Academy. So there's a lot of people around. And one of the things that you really have to do with a novella, a novella is not just a short novel, despite the name. <laughs> uh, you can't have the same plot or structure or you can have the same structure. What am I trying to say? You can't do, you can't have the same sort of story that you have in a novel because you don't have that much room. And I think that's one of the mistakes that people make sometimes in trying to write novellas is that they um, just make it be like a novella story, but condensed like less. And that's when people, that's when the readers start to feel very dissatisfied because it's like, well, this story could have been so much more. And it's like, yeah. So, so there's a couple of things that you do. One of them is that you constrain the plot. You make it a very, very simple plot. Uh, another thing is if you are writing a romance, it's much easier if the characters already know each other. And so in this particular case, this is a friends to lovers story. 
um, other novellas I've written, they've been about existing relationships. Um, ideally, what I love is, um, is if you can confine the number of characters by putting them in a single place. So like the snows of Windroven, uh, you know, they were snowed in at the castle and it was just them and Astrid and Stella when they were little and, you know, sort of retainers and that sort of thing, but not that many characters. So one thing I'm really having to do is at Convocation Academy is prevent the proliferation of secondary characters. This is our watch phrase for the day. And I say that as if I have a watch phrase uh, typically on this podcast, which I'm, I may never have used the phrase watch phrase before, but damn it, that's what it is today, people. So uh, prevent the proliferation of secondary characters. And one way that I do this, or at least that I've been trying to do it this time, is by not naming them. So I just have, you know, like these various classmates. And so I try to give the feeling of all these people being around, but it's it's a bubble around the main characters, the protagonists. So there's, you know, that wonderful, wonderful scene in the Kira Knightley, Matthew McFadden version of Pride and Prejudice, which is my favorite version. I know that a lot of people stand by, oh, something in my eye, hang on. There, I got it. It was a cat hair. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so anyway, there's that wonderful scene in that movie. And, and the reason why I, I prefer that version is, um, you know, maybe this is our topic of the day, uh, along with a watch phrase for the day. I love how they condense the story. Um, I think it's a brilliant job of using the visuals to condense the story. Uh, and this is a great example is that there is a scene where Elizabeth and Darcy are dancing and you know, it's the first time that they actually dance together and it's so beautifully done that I think like I didn't even notice it the first time I watched the movie, but I've watched this movie many, many times. And for the record, I have watched it in tandem with the BBC Colin Firth. Um, why can't I think of her name? I really like the actress who played Elizabeth. Now it's going to bug me. Jennifer Ailey. I'm, I'm being a Pazzolania or Pazzolmaniac today. Jennifer Ailey. I really like her too. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful version. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but I have watched the two in tandem and sort of gone through beat by beat to see how each movie does it because each one uses different storytelling advice devices. Uh, and this is why I get to watch uh, two of my favorite things and tell myself it's work, which it actually is. I, I was, I've been teaching a class and I mentioned that, uh, or I did a workshop last weekend. That was when we were talking about it. And, you know, I said, you know, study your favorite books, study your favorite movies and figure out why you love them. Uh, because it really is illuminating and it's work that you actually take joy in. And you could tell your family to leave you alone while you are 
reading or watching your show and say, hey, I'm working. Damn it. Just have a little notebook there with you. You can prove it. So anyway, uh, <laughs> this dance scene, right? They're dancing and there's the whole crowd of people. And then as they're dancing with each other, the other people in the room disappear. And it shows just the two of them. And it what it does is it brings that focus in to the intimacy of their interaction. And it's like they're the only two people in the world. So that's what you kind of want to do with a novella, particularly if it's a romance, is you bring that focus in onto like one issue and just those characters. And the other characters in the story are satellites. They, they really just are there to, to feed that particular story. So prevent the proliferation of secondary characters just for novellas. Otherwise, proliferate away. Um, the other thing, so this is a piece of writing advice I saw go by on Instagram from a famous author, TM. And, and I, I'm not for the record, not saying that she's wrong. Uh, this is a very common piece of writing advice, which is to kill your darlings. And, and I saw it go by and again, it's not bad advice, but I'm also not convinced that it's useful advice. And, and I read a little bit about what she said about it. And she was saying, well, you know, that she cuts and cuts and cuts and you have to be really ready to cut stuff from your books. And I thought I was ready to talk about this and I'm trying to think of exactly what I want to say. Maybe I'm still figuring out what I want to say about it. And that's probably part of my problem. Um, I think partly it's not great advice because it confuses people. Kill your darlings. Kill your darlings can kind of mean, I guess people are like, well, why does it have to be my darlings? Why do I have to kill my darlings? And I had a, an author friend for a while who contended that we were, we were discussing one of my stories. And she said, well, she said, maybe you need to get rid of, of this. And, and I was like, I was not convinced I needed to get rid of that. And I said, well, you know, but that was kind of my, my core image. That was where I, this is where this story began. And she said, oh, well then you should absolutely get rid of it. She said, because I read that once that, um, like whatever thing you started the story with, that's the thing that you should um, get rid of. And I was like, really? <laughs> Why? And she's like, oh, because you, you're like too, too attached to that idea. And, and I've thought about this conversation a number of times over the years. Um, reader, I did not get rid of that. Um, because I think it's just not only wrong, but bizarrely conceived uh, this idea that somehow that the thing that you care about most in a story somehow makes you compromised. It's bizarre to me. Uh, when people ask me 
where I start with stories. They'll say, would you start with plot or character or whatever? And I'll, I'll usually answer character. I start with like a situation, but it's, it's deeper than that. And I sometimes explain if I have room to do that, but the, I often start with like this core image that, so like the orchid throne, um, and actually a couple other stories. I've had this core image for a long time, but of this queen standing on a cliff, hair blowing in the wind dramatically, her coat cloak flapping, uh, and she is watching the approach of the enemy to her shores. And I mean, you guys, I drew a picture of this when I was like 10 years old. Uh, I might even have it somewhere still. This has been an image that has been in my head for most of my life, right? Maybe it was in my head before I drew that picture. Uh, I don't know why, you know, past life. I mean, I'm sure I was a queen defending her land against the enemy. Um, visual memory. Um, I don't know. Book I read when I was six. <laughs> we don't know. But anyway, this... This is a thing for me. This is like where a lot of my stories come from. And those of you who have read a whole lot of my books, you will recognize that that is something that crops up. If not that precise scene, then at least that feeling or that, that situation, that's just a thing for me. And so by this rationale that would count as a darling and as something that I should excise. And it's like, no, no, this is, this is one of my core images. This is where my stories come from. Why would you kill it? So, um, I, I guess I feel like kill your darlings isn't useful because it implies that whatever you are most attached to in a story is what you should get rid of. And, and I don't think that's what people are trying to say. I don't think that's what this author was trying to say because she said that you have to be willing to cut. Now, if you are attached to everything in your story, then that's a problem. Um, and I think that's something that is hard for us, especially as newer writers, because we have a tendency to value all of our words because it takes so much freaking work <laughs> to get them on the page. But over time, you after you've written a lot, you become aware of that you're just going to end up cutting stuff from the story and you could save it in files and you go back and cannibalize you know like for instance on this novella so far i have cut um 20 23,000 word or 23,000 <laughs> that would be a lot for a 25,000 word novella 2300 words um and i have added about 3,000 words but i knew as i was writing it that i would probably end up cutting some of those things because I was trying to figure out I needed to write my way into the story uh, and that's okay. So I don't feel like it's kill your darlings. I feel like it's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like the Marie Kondo approach, right? You know, it's uh, if it doesn't spark joy, get rid of it. Um, you know, be willing to be, you know how you have to be like in a particular mood in order to clean out your closet, you know, give away clothes or whatever. 
you know, it's like some days you just can't because it's like, oh, I love it all. I can't get rid of it. But other days you are like, I am clearing this shit out. And that's the right mood to be in, right? And that's the mood that you have to be in in revising. It's like, okay, this stuff has to go. That's I haven't worn it in a year. It's not sparking joy. Um, and maybe that's why I object to the killing your darlings part because that's it's kind of implying that the thing that sparks joy is what you should get rid of. And uh, even Marie Kondo would never ask you to do that. I feel I feel confident in saying that. So may you be ruthless about the things that need to go and fiercely guard those things that spark joy and that you want to keep. On that note, I will remind you all that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. I will talk to you all tomorrow. You take care. Bye-bye.